Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. And welcome back to Right on Radio. This is another very special podcast because we are continuing this expose into the immortals and the matrix but before i get into that i want to get through a couple quick show announcements the first one is my daughter came over and corrected me last night i misspoke on our last episode we were talking about michelle or michael obama being in the white house and i said had one of those in there this is not a politically correct show but the perception is it might have been a hateful statement. I retract that. I just was trying to make the point that I thought it was funny that uh, such a scam was pulled over the American people and the reaction when people hear it. So I hope that clears that up. Um, Also, I need to remind our listening audience, we're on several platforms. We're on Podbean, we're now on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, even if you have, uh, you know, subscribed to the podcast as well. And we're also on Spreaker, but I will be leaving Spreaker soon. So anyone who's listening on Spreaker, which has been the majority of the audience, please go to the other platform, which is Podbean. Uh, and that is the most secure place because who knows how long YouTube will be going. Uh, I will also be posting these on Gab and Parler and things like that. So if you want to join us in the conversation there, you're more than welcome. So last time when we covered this and we did an interview with Tom, there was a lot of stuff that came out. And that's the purpose of this broadcast. We're news, views, opinions, attitudes, and we even do interviews. And we allow people to speak their mind. This broadcast is meant for you to make up your own mind. The whole purpose of this broadcast is to expose the real world and let you think for yourself and decide whether you agree or not. With the case of the Immortals and the Matrix, we want this to be proven in a court of law. There's no doubt, and Tom has a lot of evidence. If you saw, I put out a little bit of a a video compiling the evidence, and you know, it's just a purview to say, hey, we've got it. We'll be going through this in this expose, because this expose, I plan on doing as many interviews as it takes to get the full story out. This is a very important story. The enemy is scared of this story because it exposed so many of his plans. I have my personal opinion that the script was prophetic in many ways. And it has predicted so many technologies and so many things that are coming true right now. We are living in the matrix, you might say as a paraphrase. So it's very important we get to that. But a couple things came out on the broadcast last week when we did it, and they were personal stories. And and not only that, what the audience misses is sometimes we stay on the call after the broadcast. And we stayed on for probably about an hour and some really, really deep stuff came out. And I thought it was healing for Tom in some respect. Uh, Jesse had some amazing insight into the situation. And there was also the subject of Tom's sons. And I wanted to ask the question last week, but it was a, it's a highly emotional topic. And 
I want I didn't want to surprise him with having to explain it. So I've asked permission to be able to address this because listen, the script is important. The story is super important. It, it's actually more important than many of the other news stories that are out there today. And when you see how all of this is connected together, it's going to blow your mind. And Tom is central to this story. It's it's absolutely incredible, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to touch on all this stuff. Before I do, I want to bring in my guest host, who is Jesse Zaboder. And today it's a real uh, broadcast. It's it's a very serious subject. So she's going to get a serious intro for a change. And, you know, Jesse Zaboder is one of the world's foremost experts on the enemy's ways, their systems, their organizations, and the good news is she's on the side of light, which makes her extremely important in this fight globally that we're in. So Jesse, welcome again, and good to see you today. You as well, Jeff, thank you. Jesse, this is episode 55, and the other day when we were talking offline, we were talking about the Calm 5-5, which, you know, a lot of people say it's an all good sort of thing, but you had a little bit more insight about that. And being episode 55, do you want to briefly share that before we bring Tom in? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, in the Illuminati world, numbers are very significant, and um, a lot of the esoterical theology or uh, philosophies that they believe in um, deals with numbers and, you know, that could be things alluding to the future or the past or the present. Um, so with these esoterical philosophies, some of the biggest ones are that there's always two forces and these forces are always, you know, they're always together at the same time. They're constantly opposed to each other. Um, usually one is male, one's female, and then one is good, one is evil. So what's interesting is is watching, I think we were talking about the clock uh, comms that were going out. And so, you know, if you were sending these comms as an Illuminati person, um, you would never use the same number like an equal number because it would go against that natural law of these two opposing forces. So, you know, part of that five, five comms is that you've got two numbers on equal ground. Um, and the power of God is in that. Um, when you look at the Hebrew with that, um, there's also significance with that letter five as well. And it represents a sword. Um, so you've got this perfect sword, or you could say, because it's a five, five, you've got a double edged sword. Um, that's kind of what that represents. Wow. And you know what the good versus the evil, the, the all the forces, that's what we're talking about today. Visit Jesse's website. It is Illuminate the Darkness. That's www.illuminatethedarkness.com. 
visit illuminate the darkness and illuminate your mind and i'm also going to give out tom's website because if you want to see a lot of the information that is compiled i highly suggest that you do visit it and it is redpillrising.org tom thank you for coming back and welcome to right on radio my pleasure jeff and thank you jesse Mm-hmm. Thank you. So why don't we pick up, Jesse, where some of the conversation was leading uh, in the after show last time. And let's get some of that stuff out because it really ties in a lot of these things and a lot of these opposing forces that we're going against. Yeah, I think, you know, we one of the things we were talking about were those clock uh, comms that were going out that are in the movie. And uh, Tom was sharing about how there's, you know, there were specific numbers and those were connected to birth dates um, to people in his family. Um, and I brought out that that's a common thing that um, they will use clocks as a way to communicate even death threats. Um so if it's, you know, if they're putting somebody's birth date who has already passed away or um, who's an older person in the family, they will target younger people in the family. So I had picked up on that. And then um, one of the things before we get into the stuff with your sons, I wanted to bring out was, again, some of the meaning. So... I think Tom had asked why the numbers 10 and two were important. And um, like, if you see that, like you've got these two numbers, 10 and two, and the hands would, you know, on the clock would look like that. Well, that represents in the Illuminati, um, the female, the female or the chalice or the womb. And if you have it going the other way, um, like I think it would be on the number seven and five, it would be the masculine sign. But when you see just that female symbol, sometimes it's also represented by just two hands being held up, um, looking like they're holding up the sunshine or wheat. Um, other times you would see it as a lotus flower. Uh, so that su- symbol in the Masonic world is very intricately uh, connected to um, not just trafficking, but to sex magic. And I think, let me see if I had it close by. I don't. But um, if you if you see a copy of Michael Aquino's book, Mind Wars, um, you will see those two symbols where you've got one like this and the one that crosses over and that means that there is sex magic embedded in that so when we see that in the movies um it means that literally at those points um there are spells or incantations or sex magic that is embedded in that part of the movie Mm -hmm. um so it would draw it would start to draw people or connect them to evil spirits And Tom, you had said that the timing was very important to these people when they do release dates. Can you expand on that? Sure. Well, going on what Jesse's saying too, to bridge into that, um, what she was talking about, they pick birthdays to do the events. They pick uh, holidays. 
um, anything that I'm told will cause a greater effect. But from what Jesse's saying, I'm starting to understand there's also um, a mystical or spiritual attachment to that also, or on the timing. So yeah, they're always doing that. So on my shunt, latest, one of the ones latest was my son's, my eldest son who was murdered. His birthday, October 14, was the time they decided to release uh, information that Matrix 4 is going to be finished. And um, <clears throat> so they tie it in. I, it, it makes me think they have a sort of a power hold on what's going on, that they're at the driver's seat in control of what's going on, that they control date releases and things like that. Um, <clears throat> also, you consider Mike Lang, uh, Harvey Weinstein's boss from Disney, Mike Lang, Ziet Zion. Uh, we were wondering what happened to the planted wife, you know, Becca Northcutt was now Becca B. Lynn. Um, what happened to her? When we looked at the emails, there it was on my birthday, 7-2, was the email from Mike Lang saying, you know, Becca move in with me for 60 days. And then you see that, you know, Beverly Shaving Kit and the multi-million dollar property Lang's on Howard on uh, Spokane, Washington, playground in Hollywood. So yeah, these things are always seem to be timed. In fact, we know to basically duck and cover when the special event days come up. Also on my Facebook sites like that, on a birthday, suddenly they'll do a campaign of contacting friends or they'll pull the plug on friends. I have people contacting me that say that, you know, um, their uh, friendship gone, thing is gone. They didn't do it, it's gone. They can't contact, they can't befriend, they can't um, phone, they'll get static, they can't do anything. They're cut off completely, which is part of the isolation game. So. Yeah, so it's interesting now this other layer that Jesse's talking about to why they would do this. I, I'd always thought it was just to have more impact, but obviously there's more to it. Well, I'm gonna reveal something on this program as well. As someone <laughs> who has worked in and around the entertainment business for over 30 years, there is a not so well kept secret and it has to do with release dates. You would think as soon as you finish a movie or an album, or something like that, they'd be rushing to get it out because you want to get return on investment. But here's what they do. And every major record company, every major record company, and I believe, I don't have confirmations in the movie studios, but I could almost guarantee just from personal intuition and, know, and knowledge that this is true too. They have a room set aside that is essentially a ritual room and there are pentagrams painted on the floors there's all kinds of symbolisms they physically move the tapes into those rooms and they leave them there to get the maximum spiritual impact and that's why they tie into dates as well interesting i have a question for jesse too on this there was an event that happened that seemed like a great waste of time by these uh, Hollywood moguls and the FBI. It didn't make any sense to us. We understand the symbolism, but why do it? We had a, uh, I have a picture of a bird that was killed and laid in front of our door. And uh, at the same time, the other copyright holder, I share a copyright with some other writers that would hold the multi-copyright because Mike Lang's strategy was to, you know, have the authors die and then absorb the slot, you know, take the slot at the copyright office that they prepared. And so at the same time, Frida Babson, who went through this horrendous event at Gatwick Airport, where she had been carrying a tape of the Mike Lang uh, emails. Uh, she was apprehended after a dog was poisoned in England at the place she was staying. She was apprehended at Gatwick Airport and they, they had sprayed bomb accelerant into her carry-on luggage. And so this big hoopla occurred where it was in even the Daily Post. And so 
she was targeted again by association many people say that here's the question so this bird shows up on our doorstep laid out nicely in front of our door at the same time the same time Frida Babson has a, a dove and a raven side by side laid out in front of her door now she's a couple thousand miles away so why coordinate that event and as far as we're told and you can correct me on this one too help me the message was as um, an offering to say you have survives insurmountable odds and it's like the zulu tribe with the british regiment where uh and near the boer war where they they couldn't defeat them so they honored them and did a ceremony where they said basically um we honor you as great warriors that's what we were told this possibly meant yeah. so what is your take on it actually yeah. jesse right before you answer that just for the listening audience um, <clears throat> tom who is mike lang and frida bobson just so the, the audience gets the Very whole good. picture. Very good. Frida Babson, first of all, is a um, grandmother, an artist, um, a very humble spirit, married to a man named Richard, wonderful people. They offered to step in when I put a cry out, a shout out to say, anyone else can share this copyright because Mike Lang's strategy was from Disney, from Film Tracks and Miramax, to basically wait out the authors if worse comes to worse until they die. And then you control the courts, you have a plan of the copyright office, you simply insert into that slot. You insert into the slot the mortal's title, people owning plan of ownership. Your script goes into that slot. Okay, so you, you were inaudible when you held the paper in front of the oh sorry. Thing so, so. on okay. that sheet, on that sheet you see the immortal's title, you see Dina Laurentis. Durantis Productions, Credit Linus Bank, and Paradise Films. With Wachowskis, with Assassins, you see Paradise Films, Dean Laurentis, Larry Nanny Wachowski. So on the film they failed in, what happened was they did a, a title, The Immortals, one more time. For the uh, audio-only audience, he's holding up proofs of the copyright and the names listed. Right. What they do is they create a slot. So what I'm showing, depicting, is the slot of the Assassins, Paradise Films, Dean Laurentiis, and Larry Wachowski, with Warner Brothers attached. On the Immortals title, which is our screenplay, we have Paradise Films, Dean Laurentiis, Laurentiis Pictures, Credit Linus, Bank, Warner Brothers. What they're doing is creating a slot. Mike Lang's strategy, who is Mike Lang? Mike Lang was put in place basically in 1993 by Michael Eisner of Disney, the head of Disney. His title basically was executive in charge of strategy for acquisition of intellectual property. Basically, wow. you're the boss for stealing metal. Yes. And what he did was they put Harvey Weinstein under him. What then became next was film tracks. Film tracks right after that. They call it the Disney Library. I'm referred to as the library too. The Disney Library in the article by Variety is that in the New Jersey warehouse, there is early copies of 1990 scripts in boxes in a warehouse in New Jersey. You can't get more godfather than that. So what happens is these things are sitting there and the strategy Mike Lang's responsible for is how to acquire those property, intellectual properties they don't own. And so what the strategy is to create the slot that will get this so it's their way of stealing the intellectual properties 
you can't kill the author, exactly, Jeff. If you can't kill the author by killing his family and creating despair, if he doesn't take himself out, take him out with the help of the FBI. If that doesn't work, then wait him out. If he dies, simply put his work in that slot. And you got it. All right. So, so Jesse, Mike Lang is the Mike Lang's the father of intellectual property ripoff under Eisner. Okay. And Jesse, so now let's go into that column about the bird. Yeah, so first I have to ask a question. What um was that date that that bird happened? Was that near any of the deaths that occurred? I think it was. I have to check again with a date. It'll match Frida's, and she'll know too. But I'll give you her contact number after the interview too. So you can talk to her. But yeah, she'll be open so, to it. Yeah. So in that world, um, when you start to get the ravens or the rats or the mice or the cats um, at the doorstep, it is very important. It's a it's a significant message being. Um, put out. Um, I I call it the witchy battle. It means you've got some high-level warlocks or witches that were commanded to target you. Um, ravens, you know, represent the spirit world or the dark, the evil. Um, they also can represent death. You know, they're the birds that would carry the soul from the physical world into the spiritual world at death. Um, doves represent life. So, um, you know, the, the other significance with the doorstep is that, um, and this goes all the way back into early scripture. Um, you had the individuals who were building, um, uh, Jericho and Jericho, you know, had been overcome and had been overtaken. Um, it utterly was destroyed, the walls fell down, and the Lord had put out a prophecy over the city of Jericho and had said that, um, you know, that, that the gates were cursed, that the person who rebuilt that city, it would be at the cost, you know, when they started it and put the gates in place, it would come at the cost of their firstborn. And mm-hmm. when the gates were, or when the city was finished being building, it would come at the cost of their second born. That did happen. So the cult uses this as, you know, a symbol that, you know, they're not just targeting you, they're targeting your children. So one raven means that it's going to come at the cost of your firstborn. Um, the dove though, however, is an exception. Dove means life. So it's almost like death has been placed at your door, but instead of death, (coughs) will be saved. They'll, they'll get life. So that's what that significance was. Uh, I don't know if Rita has any children. Uh, Oh, she has grandchildren too and children. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically she is she can have life or death and i get death because they said the cars when the cars were pulling up the contact said that contacted me the disney contact said attorney said that um these uh things are happening to you they're doing this they're showing up like this in front of your home and these cars protected by the police in the pocket of the fbi operative brian fitzpatrick congressman fbi operative the reason they're doing this is they can show you they can get to their son anytime they want. My one son left. I right. guess that's why the one blackbird 
Well, that shows the deep, you know, the witchcraft idea, I guess it is, the satanic elements mixed into the FBI. It's like, I guess they don't want to miss a beat and use everything possible at their disposal, including spiritual. That's pretty wild. We've revealed on this show that the numbers are staggering, Tom. It's actually probably about 30 million people in the USA alone that worship Satan. That's wild. Well, you know, also, Jeff, what is the cost and what does it take to coordinate personnel to lay birds out in front of a doorstep at two houses a couple thousand miles away <laughs> and to dime it right? It's, and you have to ask yourself, why? Well, now I guess the message is that important to them, you know, and um, well, yeah, and I mean, you're dealing with the whole the whole spirit world. They don't operate off of money or, you know, to them, it's it's a drop in the hat. They're not going to sit there and say, oh, well, if we coordinate this, it's going to cost us this much money. Um, you know, they're they're literally doing what Satan is telling them to do. So, you know, that's ultimately how you have to look at it. It's not these individuals personally you know, although they are personally targeting you, the higher level is that Satan has you as a target. You know, you become a threat to his system. You're bringing forward, you know, people who operate as, you know, high level commanding generals in his army. So he's going to do whatever it takes to protect his, his high level commanding generals so they can continue to operate the system Mm-hmm. as they always have interesting then you have this plateau of the um uh mundane or, or earthly where there's this reward system being implemented where great rewards are being given to family members and others to turn and do wrong and they suck it up and do it and look for your weakest links and uh it turned out my whole family is my weakest link except for my mom and my one brother is an attorney mark and of course Aiden. so it's like it's just they got the whole family bought then they show off all these rewards and everything but they're also operating on a spiritual level. And here's one that gets me, I wanna share with you. You can give some insight on this too. Um, my sister couldn't turn my two sons. They came back to me before they were murdered as we bridge into this topic, um, which I know Jeff, you wanna to go to, and I wanna honor that for them too. Um, here they are talking about these events happen with Pat Robertson's organization, how these attorneys were brought in to social workers to. Uh, replant their thinking and get them to say these horrible things about their dad and not to associate and think he's a monster. <clears throat> as soon as they come forward and say that they they understand this is wrong and here's what happened, dad, and we love you, we, we're proud of you, they're killed. But here's the part I want to ask you about. I'm not taking that lightly either. It does hit me hard. The thing is that um, they're saying, my sister then comes and does a seance. Again, why spend the money? She's claiming to be a Christian, yet she does a seance, <clears throat> records it. And distributed to the family members. <clears throat> you get a little choked up, sorry. Anyway, what happens is she wants me to know about it. And she tells me that my sons are interviewed during this seance. Uh, Kirk, my son, was the first to come forward and say what was going on. And dad, you have to realize what's happening. And I love you, dad. Well, she turns that into a seance where he's saying he's basically um, doesn't want to talk about me, um, isn't proud, basically. Um, it's, you know, what Tom has done is not good so if they can't if they're switching in life and saying good things about their dad which the programming was supposed to prevent then they have a seance to have them say bad things in their death so it's like they do it a way to get their way no matter what where my sons would probably be turning in their graves you know where i feel like that you know the presence of finish this dad 
But that's part of the that's part of the deception in the mind game. Uh, we have to remember the truth that you know Scripture tells us it's appointed unto man once to to live, and then the afterlife. So your sons are with the Lord, no matter how hard these people try. They cannot pull the, their spirits back to this earth. They cannot control your sons.、Mm-hmm. So you know what's the base of a séance?、Um, you've got mediums and psychics who are speaking with spirits that are impersonating your sons. They, you know, these spirits watch us our entire life. That's their job is is to watch us intently. To know every mannerism, every weakness, every way we would act, and and then you know that's how they deceive people. They appear, you know, as apparitions, as loved ones, and and people believe it because, you know, they act just like your loved one would, or you know, they they say things or have certain knowledge that only that person would have known.、Um, so that's how people are deceived. So how they were using this, you know, is is they want you to feel like even in death they have control over your sons, which they don't.、Mm-hmm. And it's a way to intimidate you, to get you to be quiet, to、um, cause overwhelming grief. It's it's like a retrauma,、uh, retraumatizing you after you've already had this horrific event because. You know now the trauma just continues. You feel like you, you know they're accessing your sons; they're pulling them up, and it just causes deeper grief. You know, and- Chelsea too. It makes me think about how in that scene from the Matrix movie where Neo's mouth is closed. That's what they're doing to my sons too. As you speak, I'm getting this image of them closed over, where they had just come right before their death. The last breaths they're saying is to me. I believe you, Dad. You know, I'm proud of you. You know, keep going. We'll make the film with Aiden, and they're doing this to Aiden too.、Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's like you're right. They, they're just if they can't have them working for them, they'll kill them and say they're working for them.、It's, right. Right. But but that's where we have, you know, we've got the power of God behind us. Is that, you know, we don't have to be silent, and they can't make us be silent about these things. That's right. You know, God、right. able to protect us. He's able to, you know, Satan has to go before him to get permission for everything that he does, and so we have the right. You know what? What does Scripture say? It says, "Come boldly before、mm-hmm. the throne of God," and we can bring our request to God, and we can say, "Okay, Lord." You know they've already taken two of Tom's sons, and, and we're saying no to Aiden. We are petitioning you, Lord, that you will pr- put a sovereign hedge of protection around this kid.、Um, you know, God has two thirds of the angels, so it's like, okay, Lord, we need up security here, and we are, you know, requesting that instead of Satan being able to. To dis- utterly destroy and silence, we are asking for permission to go forward, to name names, to bring these people to justice, to initiate your righteousness, your holiness, and you know that this would be a sign and a wonder to everybody who hears this story. 
that you are God, that you are the Almighty. And so that's what we, you know, I've been petitioning the Lord for that, that it's time for our voices to be heard. It's time for the enemy to, you know, get some kickback. That's great. I was, when I was five years old, I don't know if I shared this, but um, I was cognizant of that, you know, people are all community and things like that. It hit me. And I thought, well, Lord, um, put all the diseases on me. Give me all the sicknesses so no one else is sick. And I thought, that's a real smart solution for the world. And I got the flu that night. And I thought, well, I got what I asked for and the world's going to be better. <laughs> it's like, But it, it kind of gives our core natures to reflect on what we then do. Our work reflects who we are. And that's why the immortal script was written the way it was. And they hijacked it because of various reasons. We're learning more. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that um, they're killing me and my sons right in front of our audience's eyes. I think they're doing that on purpose because people watch what's going on. They, they know my two sons are dead and they put these, you know, the high school and the name and my dad's name, everything right in the first graphic. They put on, like you said, the clock face has my exact birthday age, red hand on the four, which to kill. It's being done in plain sight. And I think audiences need to realize we're being killed as a show basically where it's to prove you'll do nothing about it. It's to prove they can do it to anybody they want. It's to prove that they can take us in plain sight, in daylight, and murder sons, and murder authors, um, visionaries, and you won't be able to do anything about it. You'll watch it, you'll accept it, and you're next. And I think that's the message. And it stops now, Tom. Yes, it stops now, that's right. And but it that's stops their game. Now. You're right, I, it stops now. I come into complete agreement with Jesse's prayer on that uh, we prayed before we even did this broadcast and you know faith is the belief in things yet unseen and it's your, your faith has healed you you know I, and this is this is a strengthening process right now we are coming into a pinnacle of time the enemy is desperate right. right now you know and and i'm gonna paraphrase scripture uh, by the way i paraphrase scripture a lot just to make it uh a little bit easier for people to come in. I find if I, if I beat them over the head with Bible verses, people who are non-believers will tune out. So this is why I do this. Um, but we're going to realize how small the enemy really is. <laughs> and for those of us who are walking in the light, we're already starting to see it. You're right, because the power, it's all, like the contact said, it's all about power for them, right? And that's the flip side of this, which goes along with the prayer you, you've graciously given, which is so needed. They don't have the power and their contacts are already saying you have the power. You know, they're admitting through contacts, they're afraid of your power. Wow. So their game of doing in broad light has failed. What we've done is drawn them out to pick specific targets and we're still alive and we're praying together and we're right. revealing together. They, what's their last desperate move? One of the last ones was to strike the sites of the hosts, their, their livelihood. And to remove the interviews, right, on the YouTubes and things like that. Yeah. So hopefully YouTube will make a good choice here and leave this up. But the thing is that they've lost their power. They're doing desperate moves. We're out of their playbook. The final pages don't have contingencies for what we're doing and what God is doing. And so, yeah. yeah. And, and, and by the way, Tom, just on a personal note, as noble as that prayer for sickness was, don't ever do that again. <laughs> I, I was five years old. I thought I solved the world's problems. <laughs> like, my mind was going, okay, there's a problem here. Let's fix it. You know, so it's like. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Tom, I want to ask, first of all, we know about Aiden. And by the way, I posted Aiden's video. 
It's okay. on the Right On Radio uh, YouTube link. I've posted on Twitter. I've also, I believe, I posted on on the Right On Radio Facebook page, which is at Real Right On Radio. Thank you. Uh, if you go to that, so it, and it was beautifully done, and I want to honor him for that. It really brought tears to my eyes. Uh, it was short. Two and a half minutes, man, so powerful. He's Thank he's you. got your gift. Thank uh, you, Jeff. You know what? What now? We also can track the other side and track our side. So, what do you think the other side's going to do? They they want to be clever, but we figure out if they do, they don't like it. So, what do you think the other side's going to do about that? They're going to say he never made it. Somebody else made it. That, that he was either coerced to make it, but actually he made it on his own. He surprised us. We took this trip, and the, you know, dead of night. To help you know be with my parents work with them and things like this help them you know they're elderly and they're amazing beautiful people who've gone through this they've, they've actually if it wasn't for my mom we wouldn't be having this interview i'd be dead shut away aiden be dead and uh she's really just my mom's really saving the world she has made it possible for us to continue with all kinds of pressure from julia zarco my sister screaming at her with her husband todd hilsey screaming at her and my cousin, Lissa Hilsey, who's into Scientology and said that we all do evil things and how Todd did all these evil things, Jack, and all could go to jail. So Tommy has to realize all that pressure on my mom and she came through. But here this stuff, he does it and Aiden's done it. And he did this thing I want to share with you where he took the Bible and he just opened it, right? He was kidding around. He put his finger down on the Bible and says, look, Dad, read that. This is a joke almost. It was the actual scripture that I had had that I could never find again, which led the prompting of the writing of the Mortal Story Matrix. He hit it right on the head, the very verse. By Whoa. going like that. Yes, yes. Whoa. And so, and, and what just happened after your last program? Did we not talk about the FBI, Hollywood connections? Did we not? So what happens the day and a half after your program? Did you catch that? I did. The day and a half after, do you want to talk? About no, go it? ahead. Okay, well, what, okay, you're welcome to, because it's it's mind-blowing. Again, fear is also coupled with reaction. Reaction co-beds with fear, coincides. They're the ones reacting. So as soon as we're talking about the FBI connected to child trafficking, Hollywood, and Robertson sex rings, things like that, what does the FBI do? The head FBI states, like Robertson does, two anonymous sources, doesn't name them, Two anonymous sources becomes the head Twitter feed. The head news feed is that the attorney general in Texas is being implicated for serious stuff. And it's like, what? For personal gain. And then their senator and the attorney general responds, we're the ones fighting child trafficking. What else are they doing? They're the ones protecting my son. The attorney general in Texas, they can't get to us. They can fly their planes out in helicopters. The FBI, but they cannot get to us. They can't use the local police like Pennsylvania does, like Brian Fitzpatrick does, congressman and FBI. And incidentally, I found that letter on his desk for your eyes only, Federal Bureau of Investigation. He's still operating as a congressman. So that man who's bought my sister a tooth, nail and packet, you know, with all those awards, even the f congressional floor announcement holding up her picture for those news of this program. And positions, president of psych people in Pennsylvania, um, head of uh, top psych person in Pennsylvania. It's like she's not even licensed. She's a school counselor at an elementary school. Come on. So the thing is, that's where I'm like, oh, come on. And she was the densest people, one of the densest persons in our family. She was the, not the sharpest tool in the shed. Yet she's getting everything from Tristan Lund and everything. That's Brian Fitzpatrick, right?
So that's how he owns the police. And the, there's, it said in the article, you know, FBI connections, whatever, and police. Yeah, local police are selected. Their chief of police are selected from different townships to go to the FBI training program in Quantico, Virginia, and are given a yellow brick. And Jesse, I'd love to know what you think about this. The yellow brick of, you know, Wizard of Oz is what they put on their wall behind them. So they go to this FBI academy where the FBI agents usually have to be, you know, top degrees to get in. Well, for this program, for local police chiefs to get in, to be in the stooges for the FBI, they only need a high school equivalency. You can look it up online. So here we are, the latest event. You did that radio program, both of you. You know, Jeff, you do this thing. Jesse, you're on there with insights. And right away, the FBI head can't stand it and announces that he's taking down basically the Attorney General of Texas, which is our only shield from the local police dragging me out of my home and go after Aiden. Yeah, I, I think it's important for people to understand that impact that, you know, that they are watching, that they are trying to move in and do stuff that makes, gives them easy access to you. Mm -hmm. It's a systematic formula. And as far as you know, what Jeff was saying, timing too, Jesse, the timing. Did they wait an iota? Did they wait a moment? As soon as that program's cut, wrapped, and aired, they're attacking the Texas Attorney General. Out of the blue. With anonymous sources, not even named. For uh, up-in-the-air, pie-in-the-sky accusations. He was uh, favoring his own, some guys. What's the story? It's like Robertson's letters, Pat Robertson's letter, where he had written to the ex-wife. You know, uh, trusted people say. One person said he'd stake his life. What kind of fact-finding is that? What kind of investigation is that what kind of proof is that but that's what they do anyway Look, i want to make three points here uh actually tom so the first one is normally when i have a guest on uh put the episode you know five five <coughs> excuse me and i'll put the guest's name i purposely do not put your guest your name on it because i want to have longevity in the episode <laughs> And I think that would flag it immediately. So yeah, you know, right. we, we do the proper introduction inside of this. But it just, I like to put pieces together. That's a little bit of my gift. And so I want to let the audience know a couple things. Like right now, it seems like this battle of patriotism against communism. And it seems that the FBI and all these three-letter agencies are actually assisting the communist side. So... It's important to realize why this has come up. And obviously for some, for communists to try to take over America, they're desperate. Like America is land of the free, not land of communism, for sure. But the reason they're using communism as a tool is because communism removes God. And that's what they're scared of. They're scared of us realizing our power. Now, in conjunction with that, I want to address all of these three-letter agencies. Mm -hmm. These three-letter agencies were not created for the purpose that most people think. Mm -hmm. Most people think we created the, the clown operation or the FBI, you know, for protections of the people and to go anti-terrorism and stuff like that. No, these three-letter agencies were created by the elites to police and spy on our own governments and our own people and infiltrate internationally with the full force of the tools that we the people pay for them to go against us. 
So that's why with what Sidney Powell's doing and everything else, and I won't go down that rabbit hole today, but that's why this is so important. But Can I just, just throw remember, something in? Yes, I gotta please. throw this in, throw this in. In the screenplay, the one that became the Matrix, that, what you just said, is filtered out. But it's still there in the thumbprint and shadows of what they lifted in imagery they thought was cool. Who's the FBI? The Smiths, the agents. Why are they called Agent Smith? In the screenplay of the Immortals, which they took and took everything they thought was cool out of it, they strip it of that title. But it is about FBI and CIA agents that are not good at the top, right? That's the story. Now, you can imagine FBI in Hollywood are supposed to filter that stuff out. They don't want to be cast in a bad light. That's part of their job is to clean strips up, clean movies up. And so they took that out. They didn't like me doing it. So there's a screenplay back in 92, 93, which talks about the agents being robot-like that are monitored. Well, the room of monitors, that's where that comes from, where they're seeing everything they're doing by a top agent, which is the Smith character, Berenger, which is working for the top of the FBI and the CIA to be our new policing agents in the new world order. So there you go. So what you said was spot on, Jeff. They are not here for our benefit. And when were they formed? In World War II, these were formed by special British commandos training and things like this, like in Canada. And what happens is they're being trained to do espionage, murder, um, you know, take out top targets, not being trained from the get-go of protect your citizens, make sure they're safe. In fact, Lauren Holmberg on Maui, who was the Mason who was recruiting me, and gave me this talk about, you know, you're an actor and you can be, you know, give, you'll be great for giving the talks and doing the memorization presentations and we get brandy and cigars afterwards and guys get together away from their wives. Wow, great. Well, then he's saying, like, you're going to hear more stuff than you ever heard before. You're one of the elite. We're fascinated by your story and your work. Welcome to the, you know, 1%. Uh, don't talk about uh, trying to help anybody. Don't, you know, just let that go. Don't try to make a difference. He said, quote, 9-11 was an uh, inside job. It's common knowledge. We can't believe people didn't get it. He talked about incidents where they were on point in Oakland, California, under a uh, cover. And they were trying to see if they can get the word to help a young couple that was being murdered in front of their eyes. These are American citizens, cream of the crop, young people being murdered in front of their eyes. And the word is no, don't help them. While the man who's murdering them, who's the target, is supposed to be observed and comes up to their blind and talks to them. And they have a nice little conversation. That's the FBI. That's the CIA. They are not out for your benefit. They wouldn't care two cents if you died. If your sons died and bled to death in front of their eyes, they wouldn't care. They care about their agenda. And it is autonomous and separate from even our government's purposes. They are a rogue group that has gone for themselves. And they also want the cigars and brandy. And they have a new world order and plan in place. And that, like you said, prophecy, I'm believing it more and more. This screenplay was prophecy, along with all the um, inventions there, like the Neuralink and the Surrey and the GPS and all that stuff is there. So for our time, so yes, and it's chilling when you actually read it in that light, that the FBI is the main baddies connected to the architect. And, and by the way, a message to those that are in the agencies that hear this program, I want to speak directly to you. You think you're part of the system. You think that they're going to treat you right. You will be the first they take out. Mm -hmm. You will yeah. be the first 
go for forgiveness. Eternity is a very long time. You're right. You might have to pay for what you've done. You might be able to cut a deal. I think right now it's time to cut deals because the system is coming down and those who are brave enough to cut the deals could be spared. And mm -hmm. even if you're not able to cut a deal, you are able to get salvation. It doesn't matter what you've done. Repent and you will be saved. Do not believe the lies of the enemy. Absolutely, Jeff. Absolutely. I would say to the FBI agents too, you have your journals, you've seen cohorts keeping journals and releasing them at certain times to get credit for it to be the good guys. Don't sit on your journals. Don't wait for the time where it's beneficial you to come forward. Come forward now and help the children. The FBI know exactly where the children are in cages. They know exactly where the children are being kept underground. They know where they are. You guys know it. So come forward now. If you don't come forward now, you're not, not heroes. You're cowards. You are people that watch people with courage, such as my sons, Jesse, Jeff, come forward and do the work while you sat on your butts and waited to collect till it was safe. That's a coward. Come forward now and make a difference. I'm a little on the hard line. Good host, bad host. But I'm going to go play it as, you know, you got to do it now. Do it right. Do it now if you want your recognition. Jeff, Lauren Holmberg, for example, for them. Lauren Holmberg has his, wants to write his book when it's the right time. He wants to write his book about how he slept with dignitaries' wives, how he watched arms and piles of arms and little legs in Africa, how he watched bodies off the side of the road and didn't get involved, how he watched what happened to my family and was a part of it, how he watched what happened to that people, that blind in Oakland. And do it, but he'll talk about that when it's proper for him and it benefits him. Right now, that artist needs to come forward and talk now. This is not the time to sit on it with the materials you have and the evidence you have, and you will not be honored later. You'll be seen as the cowards that sat with the information that could have made a difference and freed those children. It is not a day later to let that go. Free the children now. And, and uh, Tom, for the audience, who is Lauren Holmberg? You, when you throw out names, we have to define who Absolute, they are. Black. Keep reeling me in on that. I've helped it. Lauren Holmberg is a CIA operative, Central Intelligence Agency operative. He runs imports and exports out of Africa. He is an artist on Maui that designs the gates, those metal gates for the rich. He has all kinds of paraphernalia from chiefs. One of the gifts he gave to me was a chessboard made out of different animal fur from Africa from a chief as an enticement. Gifts, the 48 ways of power. Give the gifts and the dagger in one hand. You also have a gift from him, a lithograph, a great artist. He's a great artist, but he's done wrong very badly. And that lithograph I have, it has the Mason sign on it, happy birthday, Tom, and his name. He is a CIA operative. He makes no bones about it, waiting to make uh, be the good guy and get a fortune later for his book. And his friend, Paul, the C uh, operative in the Masons, too, is waiting to write his book. So you got all these FBI and CIA guys waiting, waiting to write their book and score ladies and attention and popularity after the children are dead, after it's too late, and we have a new world society. Mm. Okay, Tom, listen, I... I I want to, we've talked about Aiden. I, I want to know your two deceased sons' names and I want you to tell the story of how it happened. Are you okay with that now? Let's do it, we have to do it. In their memory, in their honor, you, you Hold, in their hold that up again, the, the light was reflecting and it was hard to see. There we go. So for the listening audience, he's putting up a picture of his two sons and, and I believe maybe their girlfriends at the time. Yes, yes. And Sam's a real trooper. Sam is Kirk's girlfriend. She never recovered from it. And um, what happened was uh, Kirk Althaus is the one that's 
on the left there. Okay, Kirk okay. is on the left. Yes, yeah, Sean's on the right. Two amazing sons that were taken from me. What, did you say Sean or John? Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Now here's what's interesting. If you go to Bethesda Corporation and look at Fallout, one of the most popular games, the main characters, the sons in it are S-H-A-U-N, Sean and Kirk. You also hear about brother Jack and brother Tom. That's my brother's name. Bethesda Corporation works with Spielberg, Disney, um, also with uh, Warner Brothers. And they, what they do is they take film ideas from scripts, like Mike Lang gives them, puts them into games. Many people will realize that the Wachowskis want to do the games, right? And so here's all my stuff, even with the son aging and the father not, S-H-A-U-N, my son, is in Fallout. So the Bethesda Corporation is a laundering machine, just like Netflix. The attorneys for Warner Brothers went to Netflix, that through our case. So Netflix launders the films, Bethesda launders the games. They take the ideas from filmmakers, stick them into the games and make a fortune. It is a crook organization, criminal mafia. And the games is where the real money is. The big money, you are right. One of the first things that Wachowski said they wanted to do was make it into um, comic books and games. And they did. And that's why Paul Anderson's so important. But back to the sons. So Sean and Kirk. Kirk comes forward first, says that Robertson's organization and social workers provided him. His mom was religious right to the T, Nancy states. They just moved her down to Texas where we are. Operative, handler. What happens with her is Kirk comes forward to me on Maui. She can't control him. He comes to Maui 30 years old. Now he's talking about back when he was four. Dad, there was these sessions that were held by social workers with Robertson's organization. They told us if we did not believe what they said, that you were evil, narcissistic, parano-schizophrenic, dangerous, these talking points they throw, crazy, that we would not have these sessions stop. He said, Terrace, my daughter, caved first. That's why you have a little girl at the end pointing at the sun, hugging her daddy, Neo, not the Oracle. That's how it's supposed to be. Neo's supposed to watch the Christ figure facing off with a Smith character or the um, architect's son, facing off looking like Christ. That's the identical figures. Neo's supposed to watch it, but they didn't want the Christ figure. So they put Neo as Christ, cross on the chest in the picture to mock it with the biblical license plates, right? So that's what they did. They Then they screwed the story up that way. The ending doesn't work. Though everybody said, blow it up. They kept the exact same ending. That's in articles. So what happens is Kirk's telling you about these sessions, back to the sessions. Dad, Terrace caved right away. That was pretty surprising to me. She's still alive, spreading hate, saying their dad's battle and stuff. When her dad wrote the Matrix story with a little girl at the end reunited, that would make her quite famous. When it comes out, that's why they need her separated. Who handles her? Jacob Rios, who's Jacob Rios, related to Ralph Rios. Who's Ralph Rios? Ralph Rios is um, a Mexican law firm in Pasadena, California, which comes from Texas, where Ralph Rios, where Jacob Rios comes from. The one that was brought in to throw the case in the end, who hasn't been named yet in malpractice. So the relation, Jacob Rios, handles the daughter. When is she, what does he put in place? At the time our case is being thrown, he's introduced to her when she's crushed and down. Jacob Rios has never done a day of work in his life. He has all the tattoos. He's a Mexican mafia. He handles Terrace. So there's Terrace. Terrace caved first, back to the meeting. 
Kirk says that Sean went next. Sean was being approached with these meetings. Just imagine these meetings being held. Your dad's bad, your dad's evil, he's twisted, he's paranoid. Exactly the things my sister now paid well and rewarded well to say, says. When before she said she'd help me get the kids back, you know, in the end. Anyway, so what happens is Kirk says that Sean got so confused, they let him go. Confusion would work for them and Jesse could help me with that one. Why they would let him go because he's just confused. Why would they hammer it home? Well, we now know what happened when he finally got it. So Kirk comes forward and says, Dad, what I did, here's his death sentence, why it comes. Dad, I pretended to believe so they'd stop. I, I'm sorry, I pretended to say you were bad and you were evil and you were narcissistic and parents schizophrenic. I said that so they'd stop. But I know you're not. I love you. I'm proud of you. Well, Kirk's going to die for that. He's going to die for that. And so in the religious right, in the Hollywood mafia, Zionists or FBI, if you go against what they're doing, if you've been groomed to go against what they're doing, you will die or you'll be shot down. There's images of people like an FBI agent on the run in his van. I saw it on the net where he's getting away in his van trying to get to a news agency, I think it was, and he's shot in the head twice, pulled for his van and in full view of the camera shot again in his head. They said he pulled a weapon. I don't think that man on the ground had a weapon. I don't think he could have pulled it having two bullets in his head. They do that kind of finish. So there it is, Kirk, and thank you for letting me explain this anyway. It's hard, but it has to be done in their honor, their memory. What Hollywood doesn't realize, yeah, Hollywood doesn't realize. They think that you're gonna curl up and die and be a suicide, or they can suicide you. As my sister's pushing forward, he's gonna commit suicide, really? And when I said, I'm not going to, there's no way I ever would. What did she tell the family? He calls me all the time on the phone and says he's going to commit suicide. Are you freaking serious? What kind of conversation would that be, Julia Zarco? I'm going to call you every day, basically, and say, oh, by the way, Julia, just called to say I'm suicidal. Are you serious? No. I love life. I'm doing this, which Hollywood didn't expect, I guess, is that a father that loves his sons, even though Julia's going to tell you I don't, right? She'll say he does no feeling. You're trying to keep it together. You're trying to go forward. You're fighting back the wall of emotions. But... A, son, a father who cares about his sons is going to finish the job. He's going to finish the job of the world so other parents don't lose their sons. And this is where it gets emotional. Excuse me, I'll, I'll make it through it. How, how, is, how were they taken out, Tom? Well, here's what happens. Well, here's what I want to say. What Hollywood doesn't expect is, of course, if you have a heart, which will say we don't, you're going to complete the work. Why? In honor of the memory of your sons. That's why. Hollywood doesn't understand compassion. In fact, the person on the tape, the contact said, oh, they only understand power. There's their downfall. They don't understand anything else. The people they recruit are idiots. They're losers like my sister. She failed at everything. So they give her all these rewards and they call her, you know, the greatest. Unearned rewards, unearned fame, all about image, all about power now. How'd they die? Kirk died a messianic death. Now tell me about this too. Again, they use my sister, the paid off family member, right? Who's supposed to control the rest of the family. And she's done a bang up job of doing it. Even nephews and nieces. We got a niece coming to this house. We're going to leave before she gets here. But she had been instrumental in trying to shut me away in the 302. She was brought in to do her part. You know, her part was to say to the doctors, uh, my aunt, Julie, is going to take Aiden away in a pre-planned hit in a 302 without me being told. She'll take, she'll take Aiden, so go ahead and put Tom away, basically. And she's coming for Thanksgiving after this Thanksgiving. Not going to be here. I don't want to see her. So what happens is Julie explains to you this. And ask yourself, how does Julie know? Was she there? Here's Julie's version of Kirk's death. Julie goes to a lifeguard in a military base in Japan. 
says he's going to hold his breath underwater as long as he can. The lifeguard says, Joy, Joy says, the family and us, the lifeguard said that he understood he'd be safe and leaves. Leaves his shift, leaves the pool, leaves Kirk unattended alone in the pool to hold his breath as long as he can. Kirk stops breathing in the pool. Where's the lifeguard? Not important, according to Julie's story. So what happens is Kirk is brought out. He died, even implicated he committed suicide. Are you freaking kidding me? So what happens is Kirk is actually an expert swimmer diver. Now keep in mind as we do this, why did Julie say all that stuff? Where did she get it from? The seance queen, right? Super Christian, who works with young children at Rolling Meadows Elementary. Heaven help the kids. So what happens is, um, and why is that school employer? But Kirk actually was at the Japan swimming pool, military base. Now, a military base has good security, I'd imagine, right? Especially in a foreign country. Lifeguards, I was a lifeguard. You're supposed to keep your shift. If there's a person in the pool, you don't leave the pool. So why would they leave? And why wouldn't Stars and Stripes and others investigate why the lifeguard left? Why is this dying? name ever said stars and stripes said there would be an investigation on the death of my son that he was revived well and taken to the hospital what happened to the hospital where's the autopsy what's going on why was he cremated a lot of questions his father has so what happens is he's swimming in the pool the lifeguard leaves he drowns an expert swimmer in a military based lap pool that's a messianic death and to hell with the rules because if the Masons are going to employ CIA operatives and allow them to run amok and destroy families' lives and blackball them out, let's take a look at what it says. Screw the rules. The Masonic Code says that if you're a traitor in the Masons, a traitor, you are to be disemboweled and drowned a cable's length from shore. How did Kirk die? In the lap pool. He was revived. Stars and Stripes says. So he's revived. He's taken to the hospital. What happens next? The great investigators of our army and military, Stars and Stripes, doesn't have an answer. No word. He's murdered. The military is involved in this. The military top echelon is very much involved in what goes on. The Pentagon's very much involved. That's why they staged a little fiasco during 9-11 with a missile into the side of the building. It wasn't a plane. There's no debris. They're even mocking you out there. Audiences are being mocked for believing it was a 9-11 actual event where it was outside people. Yeah. Building Who's, number seven. Say please, please. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it, it's so incredible. So he was murdered with military help and JAG officers involved too. And he was 30 years from, old at the time? 30 years old expert swimmer and diver. That was his pride and joy that he was an expert swimmer and diver. So they shame him. They shame him. And my sister, Julia Zarco, Julia Elizabeth Zarco, is making sure he's shamed. Making sure he's shamed and his father's shamed. Well, we're honoring him right now. Thank you. And Thank I you. think history is going to see that he was a martyr. Thank you. And anybody, thank you, Jeff. And anybody look up on look up on uh, net before they strike it. Kirk Daniel Althouse. Look up Kirk Althouse, Japanese military base, pool drowning you'll see it stars and stripes interview well that's going to disappear really quick now that we've said it it will it will but somebody can grab that make a copy and and what about what about sean sean joel silver is doing alter carbon alter carbon he's the movie producer for warner brothers silver pictures 
He's also the one that worked with Wachowski's has a third of the franchise, The Matrix. Uh, Warner Brothers attorneys and Rankin, Anthony Rankin on Maui, who works for Warner Brothers, is um, claiming that uh, Joel Silver has nothing to do with Matrix. Are you serious? He has a third of the franchise. He, you see pictures, look up Joel Silver, you see Matrix with him. He's the one that uh, shepherded or took care of the Wachowskis. So what happens? I get run down by a car in Canada. I was sent to Canada by Becca Northcutt, the planted wife who had a criminal record, who is now with Mike Lang. We've discussed who he is with Disney. Right, see it's on. So what's going on? A car runs me down. It's always a charcoal gray SV5, I think it is, Mazda. Now look at the SV5. What's interesting about it, I hope I got the right branding. Big flat front grille. Looks like that police stuff they put on there for ramming cars, the big police fans. Same front grille. It's like Mazda designed it for them. Now I'm saying Mazda did, but you could say Mazda is the sponsored car of the mafia and pedophiles. If Mazda wants to dispute it, I'm here. Because that's the car that keeps showing up in front of our house. That's the car that's being driven by operatives. That's the car that runs me off on the road. That's the car that shows up in front of the house of even our um, uh, other copyright holder in Canada, Neil's family, Hensi, takes pictures. So what happens is the car misses. I'm on a bike. I go flat on the ground. It peels away. But Joel Silver had a reason. You talked about timing early in the program, right? What's the timing? They're announcing Alder Carbon. So Joel Silver takes his name off of Alder Carbon. Alder Carbon's being done with the Trudeau administration, whose finance minister, who was being investigated for fraud, he announces that the biggest boon for Canada. And they say that the uh, greatest sci-fi uh, concept ever in history of film. What is it? This one. That the people in the future, the elite, have immortality, and the poor are using, used as pawns. So that is the greatest concept. That's the immortals. This is in the first senses of the st story treatment. So Joel Silver is using up the rest of the story, as he says in articles. So I didn't die. So what happens next? We get on the phone with Sean. Sean talks to Aiden. We're going to make Dad's story, Sean, Aiden. We're going to make the story. They both say, I'm proud of you, Dad. We're proud of you. We're going to do this. We're going to finish it. Sean says, yes. Sean says, stay safe on the roads, Dad. Stay safe. I'll be praying for you. Stay safe. Drive carefully. Don't let them hurt you. We're going to do this. Your sons are on it. What happens the next day? What happens the next day? Sean's dead. How did Sean die? Again, they make it a mockery. And my sister's right there again. Julia Zarco. Julia Elizabeth Zarco is here to give you the headlines. What does she say happened? Was she there? Oh, Sean lost control of the car and rammed into a snowplow. He was speeding. Are you serious? Sean just told his dad to drive safely. He just had his dad almost killed. He said he's going to make the film with Aiden. He also said that he was starting to remember what happened at the Robertson Sessions. Death sentence. We can't have that. We can't have this author, Tom Oldhouse's kids, coming forward and saying, first of all, my dad's a good guy. What did Aiden write in his, what do you have in his movie? I didn't ask him to put it there. What did he put there, Jeff? Right? Jesse, what do you put in there? My dad's harmless. My dad's loving. Can't have that. That does not fit.
fit the FBI's agenda. It does not fit Pat Robertson's agenda. It does not fit Joel Silver, Michael Eisner, and Michael um, Lang's, Harvey Weinstein's, Steven Spielberg's wishes. So right now we got a problem, but the truth is coming out, right? So what happens? What actually happened? Remember how the FBI employs the chief of police? Our guy's name is Deal. That's why the police have come and hauled me off so many times. Neighbors see it all the time. That's why when the neighbors call in, the cars are out front, SUVs and stuff, the truck old Mazdas. They're told not, they're not going to do anything about it because they're not doing anything wrong. The neighbors are told that by this corrupt chief of police who is in the pocket of the FBI, specifically Congressman, FBI California operative, Hollywood operative, Brian Fitzpatrick, who's just getting elected again, who works with my sister daily, right? So how did Sean die? Well, the staged event looks like this. There's a snowplow with a dented in door on his passenger side, and he died instantly. How? Because local police are thugs. And Secret Service, my sister also brags that the Secret Service does what she wants. That FBI, that FBI uh, Hollywood um, congressman, Brian Fitzpatrick, does what she wants. That's why these 302s are done, and that's why they can pop somebody off on the road easily. So Sean didn't die from a car accident. He died from an agent. And again, I don't see any autopsy. And he was cremated. Tom, that this just leaves me with such a heavy heart to know that what you and your and Aiden have gone through, you know, surviving this. And we just want to honor Sean and Kirk. I say this sincerely. Um, we know where they are and you will be reunited and this is uh this world is cruel it is we're exposing yes. it well jeff i want to say this to you too and to the audiences <coughs> thank you for doing this both of you this is huge no one's supposed to talk to me no one's supposed to talk to me the word they like to throw around like candy is delusional delusional how many out there have been targeted been called that very word it's the candy word. It's the idiots without brains like my sister uses that word like candy. It's like, are we really? Is it more delusional to have the facts and evidence and to bring it forward through great hosts and to articulate it clearly? Or is it more delusional to make up these scenarios and cover stories for what obviously are hits and to have facts that you can't possibly know and have stories that can't possibly you were not a witness to and to propound these things my sister also says that I have no feelings. I don't care about the death of my sons. Has she cared to check? When she called me when I was in uh, Canada on the death of Sean, this is the other part of the death of Sean, which Jesse, I think, hit upon about how they tried to create the despair I think you were talking about. What happens is uh, I get a call after two years from my sister. Now, keep in mind, my sister had said that I called her all the time. That was bugging her to death, saying I was going to kill myself. Are you serious? I love life. I never would. There's no way. And so does Aiden. And, I, and I've had students of mine from Montessori and other places that have said, they'd now come forward and say, Tom, because of you, I'm alive. Because of the classes you taught and what you told us and what you encouraged us with and gave us chances, we're alive. I got one guy, a beautiful kid, who's like now working Europe, trying to help other kids refuse to commit suicide and see hope in life. He says, because of you, Tom. So I'd like to think there's some good that was done. That the writings that I have talk about lifting life, all life. But what does she say? 
she calls on the death of Sean. The very day she dies, she's on the inside. In fact, if there's something that's pointed out on a screen or on a Facebook or anything, she gets it immediately. Even if she claims she's at school with these kids, within the minute she's notified? How? She's not a friend of mine on Facebook or anything else, but she knows about it immediately. And so does Fitzpatrick. They're connected. So what happens is she calls on the death, the day that Sean dies, she's not offering condolences. She says, Tom, it's your sister, Julie. Now you can imagine my response, right guys? I'll be like, oh God, I'm so glad you called. It's been such a long time. Uh, thank you for calling. What's the next thing I hear? And she's pissed to death because I recorded it. So I, into it, I started recording when I heard what I was hearing. So she would say, I never said these things that you're gonna hear. And when I said that, well, I recorded it, and she goes, that's legal, you can't do it. So it's like, wait a minute, you just said I didn't do it. Why are you worried about me recording it? You know, it's like, wouldn't that help you remember? So anyway, here's what was said. Tom, you have to say, so it's like after I'm saying thank you for calling, she's saying, Tom, you have to say you're angry, bipolar, and suicidal. What? Why? Why? Thanks for the condolences. My son just died. Well, it's a good time to hit, right, Jesse? That's the best time to pick, All right? So what happens is here I am being told that, but you are a man whispering in the background. It's a man. So you're hearing this, Tom, you have to say your this whisper sound, angry, uh, bipolar, suicidal. I'm like, Julie, who's the guy in the background? It's just students. Wait, so you're calling me from Rolling Meadows elementary with students around you saying somebody has to say they're angry bipolar and suicidal you should be fired on the spot that's school grounds right but they all love her because of all the rewards she got the picture of holding up the congressional award on the floor they love her, they worship her so it doesn't matter what happens with rolling rolling meadows administration will never touch julie no matter what she does to kids because she's popular she's a celebrity she can do whatever she wants. Kids aren't safe. Doesn't matter. What parents would want their kids around that kind of lady? She's she is bipolar. She's bulimic. She's angry. She has the mood swings, manic up and down, like off the charts. She has that manic laugh. She gets angry, like hateful curses. Like what does she do around kids? But here, my answer, Julie, I can't say it. I won't say it. You know I'm not. She says again, Tom, you have to say you're angry, bipolar, and suicidal or else we can't have a relationship. I'm like, Julie, we haven't spoken two years. We haven't had a relationship. You didn't even call me on my birthday when I even begged for you to contact. Then she says, if you don't say you're angry, bipolar and suicidal, then you're saying I don't matter. Now here's the point guys. Why was that the most important part? They tell it the doorknob speech. Last thing you say is the most important thing on your mind. So why would her mattering mean the most important thing? Why is that the most important thing? When a person's about power and image, it is. For in her world, in her twisted little small brain, tiny brain, that's the most important thing. Julie matters, that's the most important thing. So I say to her, Julie, if that's the parameters, you don't matter. End the call. So why is she saying I have to say I'm suicidal audibly? I'm not, farthest thing from it. I'm trying to keep kids safe and free them and have, them have a good life. My son's alive just making that video you just saw, thank God he did, saying about it. So why is she saying that? Here's the deal. Here's what I was told by contacts. If I said it, 
then it will happen, be staged, a murder-suicide staged, and they'll be said by my sister who gets more whorehound, likes to have more airtime on CNN, owned by Warner Brothers, where she was before. My brother said this. End of story. Anything, any evidence we have is negated. The public would only go on, oh, he said he was, and he took his life, and he killed his son. What was the 302 saying, which Julie backed, that I was going to murder my son? Now you took care of your loose ends. But here's the thing, Jeff and Jesse. My sister's a loose end. She worked with the big boys. And now she's a loose end. She didn't do her job. She said to my mom that she would lose her marriage and her jobs if she didn't finish her brother, basically. Well, she failed on the 302 the next day, basically, right after that, her husband wants a divorce. They were in it for the reward and the gain, like my cousin got. When they failed, after they were taken to London for the final instructions, apparently, came back on separate planes, didn't even like each other. Then the divorce comes. They kept it quiet, and there was at least a couple months later that this is what happened right at that time. Go ahead. Jesse, I see you're writing lots of notes. Oh, your microphone's off. Yeah, there's a lot here. Um, first off, why it was important to get you to say those three words is it has to do with the number three. Uh, mm -hmm. The number three is a particular demon that that basically if you say those things it would be you summoning uh i believe it would be vesigo um who's one of the demons of chaos and likes to work in the numbers of three mm. so um that was probably the demon they were summoning for the suicide job um so there was more I was figuring out with the numbers here as well. Um, but um, yeah, you've got, like if you break it down, you know, a, those three words, they start with the letters A, B, and S. A would be the number one. B is the number two. S is the 19th number of the alphabet. I was trying to remember, I think that's correct. Um, when you do the math on those, you get two plus one is three, nine minus one is eight. So it leaves you with five eleven. Was that an important date? May 11th. I'd have to check. What's interesting is that in the matrix graphic, the first graphic put in with the high school center West high, right? Um, Thomas A. Anderson, the Scottish clan name. My dad's name, John A. My birthday, as it was in records, July 22nd, on the column is 380. So that's after TA 4099. TA was 4099. So, you know, the numerology thing, the 380. But May 11th. I got to check my mom's birthday. It's in May. But yeah. So if you break it down another way, you get um, the A and the B. So the one and the two equals a three. And then you have a spontaneous number one and nine breaks down into three threes. So you have three, one, three, three, three. And they actually take the time to plan this stuff out too. That's what we've been finding like with the birds and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that would be the five digit uh, programming code. Interesting. That they were putting out. Interesting, because Stephanie Tanner the girl that was supposed to replace Becca. Okay, Stephanie Tanner, who is she? Who is Becca? Becca is, I'm learning, I'm learning, Jeff. 
Becca is the provided wife who had the criminal record and was actually an ex-con that had been in jail, prostitution, right, multiple charges. And those were all raised by Mike Lang after she finished the job of throwing the cases and everything. So what happens is we have her with a best friend named Stephanie Tanner. You can see her online, Facebook, whatever. Stephanie Tanner comes to me and says that she has this glass red uh, red pill that's made for me that she's been holding back, but waiting for the right time. It's going to jump the gun, contact me when I'm in Canada, saying she's going to replace Becca. Bound to move in with her. She'll replace Becca. Who was she? She was the wife of the guy who wrote Napoleon Dynamite. Left for unknown reasons and just left all the script materials behind. His stuff was taken and, and didn't get credit. So what happens is her sister is married to the top Warner Brother legal guy, Patrick, who handled the Superman throwing case, taking their rights away, Superman family, and also was working on me. So she said that all their materials, house, uh, boats, everything came from ripping people off for Warner Brothers, Columbia University attorney. Now, what's interesting is Stephanie Tanner is saying that um, you're the star player, Tom, on the bench. They've been keeping you on the bench. You're the golden goose to them. That's what's being done to you. The reason your sons are dead was to make you pliable, quote, putty in the hands. So that's what they do to riders. They break you like a horse and then they can ride you and take your material. Then they make you the offers where you can work in-house but not get credit for your work, but help other riders that are in-house so the credit and money all stays in-house. And so it's like they have this whole system of corralling and working families of riders. Now, if you're on certain sensitive material, which makes me a double uh, quandary for them, my material is blowing the doors off the FBI, the connections for the New World Order, all these inventions, everything else. So what are you going to do with me? I'm a love and hate situation for them. Now, the guy from Gray State, Gray State, he was simply stating out basically about what's going to come for this New World Order switch where the U.S. would be having his murders and things like this. And agencies will be wiping out families rounding up from your homes, right? So he's outright killed. They do a murder-suicide on him where the door's open, the dog's shot, the daughter's shot, him and his wife are shot. But what else did they do? They had a friend or neighbor say, oh, yeah, he said he was depressed. So that closes it. He killed himself. You know, anything you can say. That goes back to what my sister's job was. I think in layers, so I'm, I'm sorry if I throw anybody off here. But that's what writers do, you think in layers. So the other layer to this is back to my sister. Her job was to set it up, the plausible thing that, yes, the downright it's over. Tom was this, which she's still saying. When, I, when she doesn't get it, she creates it. If the children are coming forward saying that Tom's a good guy, their dad's a good man, they honor and love him, then do a seance fake, like you said, to say he's bad. Get him in the afterlife or make it up, right? So what happens if I say I'm not suicidal and I'm not, I love life, I affirm that right now. Love life, love my child, love my, love the world, love people, want to see it good. That's why I wrote the stuff and did the labor for it, serve the audiences. So since I say I'm not, she'll make it up and say I call all the time saying I am. So that's to get more rewards. And she gets those rewards. And we can see, like you said, Jeff, the timing, she gets them right away. When the 302 fails to satiate her, the floor of Congress is the next thing, right on the floor of Congress. Her picture held up by that horrible man that should not be in office. He should be arrested, prosecuted, and executed, possibly. Brian Fitzpatrick, FBI operative, gives the reward immediately. Their impulsiveness and their desperation, since we're off the playbook, is evident. And we keep hearing the word, they're, they're scared, they're desperate. They are. The move by the head of the FBI is a fright, frightened man moving right away against the attorney general in Texas. And all this is happening right now. We got guys jumping out of buildings after an interview is done. We got the Bob Iger from Disney being fired after the very day before we're doing the interview. He's saying, his top guy's saying he wants to have a uh, talk with you, talk about a deal. 
and they do a pedophile sting at Disney. So what's happening is they work from the top down, families from the top down. Those of us that get through the gauntlet and all the you know attacks and survive somehow and don't kill ourselves and love life, we're the ones that are the top priorities, right? Finish us off. And one thing I want to point out to you right now too, we look like this. I don't look so good. I don't make no bones about it. You got people like Snowden who look groomed, photoshopped. I just saw a banner poster of him at Walmart. You see him groomed airtime with the top networks. Here's the clue, public. If they're groomed like Keanu Reeves and given all this PR and told that they're the ones to listen to, they are put in place. What did Snowden tell us? That they tap our phones? That's news? All he's doing is leaking the innocuous, the stuff that doesn't really matter, in order to get the credit so you don't listen to those that are out there dying, trying to get the information to you, shot in the head three times out of their van. That's what's going on. So those of us that you're going to see are going to talk fast. We're going to think fast. We're going to have a lot of pressure on us, and we're not going to look very good. And we're going to have a lot of sorrow and loss, and we're going to try to keep it together. And you're going to hear these comments. They don't feel anything. They look like they don't feel anything. Seriously, we are torn apart inside. We feel it. But they have paid off sisters who are groomed wearing red dresses. And I'll ask you about that, Jesse. Why always the red dress and the red shoes? Um, Being rewarded all the time. Yeah, that that usually signifies the high priest or the high priestess uh, that is initiating the orders. The same Incredible. as a red scarf on it, hanging off a doorknob. Uh, or somebody that signifies that it was a high priest or priestess who um, basically gave the orders for that killing. Let me show you one more picture. We can't hear you when you're talking from behind the picture, Tom. All right, sorry about that. So that picture I just showed you, take a look one more time and I'll speak. That's Melissa with Sean. Here's the interesting thing, how they handle it. Remember how Jacob is controlling my sister, uh, my, my daughter, who I never will see again, right? Terrace, the little girl in the Matrix. What happens is ABC News, uh, which is owned by Disney, gives her a line producer position, Terrace. She gets to travel anywhere she wants, money, everything, without even, just quit the job anytime she wants. They move her another location, move her another location. That girl I just showed you, his name's Melissa. I never met her in my life. It's my daughter-in-law, but I wasn't invited to the wedding. She's a handler. So this girl right here, now I'm not saying to be mean, she's homely, right? As soon as my son is dead, she gets a makeover. She's like this in the picture. Hair, perm nicely, colored. She looks great, she looks like a model. She's got tattoos with pitchfork and things down her arm. Immediately, immediately. So this person becomes a supermodel as soon as my son is dead. So both were handled and both were literally turned to ashes. I never met her in my life. When I sent messages to her saying, I'm grieved for what happened to you and um, maybe we can share together, no responses. None at all. Oh, yeah. That's There you go. Well, Tom, this has been an explosive interview today and i think we covered off a lot of the painful personal stuff i think we've got the story out 
properly and and we can continue on as i say we're going to do as many of these interviews as possible to, to really get the entire story out thank you uh, as always with right on radio i want to leave on a positive note so i'm gonna gonna make a couple statements here the, the first one is you know, you can choose to believe Tom. You can choose to make up your own mind. That that's okay. Uh, he he's definitely a, a a person that is controversial at the moment. Bear in mind what the franchise is worth. Not only just the expose part, but if Tom was to get credit and just knowing how the numbers work in Hollywood and in the music industry when you're the writer. There's about 800,000 to probably 1.2 billion or 800 million to 1.2 billion dollars on the line here. Uh, people have died for a lot less. So I wanna make a couple points and there's something that I've been holding for about a month that I've talked to Jesse off air. I've had something that I, I thought was maybe a bit of a prophetic vision, but as I've been working it out, I really think it's just more of a revelation. So I'm gonna be not as cautious and share it. And why this story is so important right now and why the timing is right to get Tom's story out now is because this thing that we've called the Great Awakening, and you know, which really goes back to the red pill and all this stuff from the Matrix and all this stuff that we're living right now, we're essentially living the Matrix as they portrayed it. By the way, quick side note, I've been reading the, the manuscript for The Immortals. It far blows away the uh, the movie that was created. So, you know, and we're going to get that out too. Uh, one way or another, we've had some side conversations. But what, I, what has been revealing to me about The Great Awakening is most people think it's just waking up and realizing that, you know, there's a lot of evil in the world. And I believe that's true. We have to, to live right in the real world. You have to see what the real world is. But what the Great Awakening actually is, is awakening to our spiritual gifts and our and our consciousness. And by the way, again, if, if you're a Christian, this is super important to you. If you're not a Christian, your thoughts control the global conscious. Believe it or not, you're still a, a child of God and your thoughts do. And and where I see this going for the, for the Christians who are watching this, uh, I would start reading Acts because I believe you're going to see this play out. And I believe some of the things that the uh, disciples of Jesus were doing are what we're going to do on a grand scale, but even even greater scale. So, you know, Tom's story is very controversial. Uh, when you see him, when you see his passion, you can hear his voice. Listen to what the man has been through. He's had the, uh, all kinds of super powerful forces coming at him and yet the lord has preserved him and i believe he's preserved him for this time and what's to come because he's going to be elevated in this and his real story the immortals is going to come out it is going to come out and it's going to make meet the masses and in further episodes we're going to explore the technolo technologies and things like that, all these proofs. And by the way, what you're also gonna find out is that it wasn't only the Matrix, the script was shopped around and there's other very mainstream scripts that you've seen that have borrowed from this. And the evidence is 
in my estimation, are there. They should be, uh, you know, legitimized in a court of law, but they are there. What's your role as the listener in this? Your role is to like the episodes, like it on the different platforms. Go to the YouTube. I'll be posting links to the YouTube. Go to Podbean, like, subscribe, and share on multiple platforms. Look, I'm not monetizing this. This isn't about me. This is about getting the truth out there. And the faster we as a society wake up, the faster we're going to get into some really amazing times. Like, we're going back to the garden, people. We're going back to the way it's supposed to be. So do your part. You know, if, if thousands of people listen to this and only seven people like the video, it's not going to get in the rotation. You have to understand how the tech tyrants work. And yes, they are against us. So do your part. If you love God, if you love your country, if you love freedom, truths need to start coming out. Again, what's the truth to you? You're free to make up your own mind. But I just ask you do your part. And in the meantime, thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Tom. And here's my closing message. As always, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. Who's right? Who's right? He's right. Right on radio. Right on radio.